Hey friends, this is Austin Suter and I'm the editor at United We Pray. And that's my title because we're not only a podcast, we host articles on our website all the time. So if you head over there now to youwepray.com, you will see a couple exciting things. You'll see an article from Professor Nate Brooks about uh, his resistance to believing stories about racism. You'll see a profile on Lulu Fleming, and you'll see the ongoing study we've been doing on word study and understanding how each other is speaking in the race conversations. So head over there and check it out. We'd love for you to be encouraged. Thanks. Grace and peace. You're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a podcast devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. And you can learn more about our work at uwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and everything else Austin Suter is cooking up in his kitchen. I'm Isaac Adams, one of the co-hosts, and I'm here with the chef himself, the master chef, Austin Suter. Too kind, Isaac. How you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. What about yourself? Doing well. Enjoying this dad life. Yes. Are you sleeping? Not as much lately, but, uh, mm. you know, it comes and goes. Yes. Yes. There you go. Uh, we, uh, we think we, ha- we thought we had a name for our, uh, latest bun in the oven. Uh, and we were calling her that and all that stuff. And we might be changing that name. So that's the latest on the Adams children. But I don't know. We might be keeping it the same. And my wife will actually kill me if I say the name. Oh yeah, she, yeah, you would die. That's yeah, that's yeah. kind of how my daughter ended up with her name. My wife suggested it, and then I just started using it nonstop, just hoping <laughs> that it would stick, and then it did. There you go. There you go. All right, man. What you got for us? Before we jump in, I wanted to read something from Matthew 18. There's a section in Matthew 18 where Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching on the topic of church discipline. And he's telling his disciples how church discipline is going to work when there's unrepentant sin in the congregation. But then he closes that section with this sentence, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. I wanted to open just considering what it means to be gathered in the name of Jesus as we talk in this episode about doing church together, that Mm -hmm. one of the core elements of what a church is, it's a people united around a confession. Mm -hmm. And so as we think about what it means to do church together, what we need to be united around, I just wanted to pause and remember that before we are united around anything, we're united around Jesus. So Mm -hmm. as we talk Mm -hmm. about things that people disagree about, let's just hit that point at the beginning and remember what our our central hope, our central confession is. Amen. 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 Well, let me pray for us real quick just on that. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the work of Christ on our behalf. Uh, May it be as Jesus said that we would gather in his name and that all other considerations would fall in line uh, with that and behind that. Help us, give us wisdom as we talk about that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So on this, Isaac, what? let me just ask a broad question. I'm going to try and drill down by asking a series of questions that get more specific as we go. So here, the first one is, what do Christians need to agree about in order to be in the same church? Uh, great question. 
Um, it makes me think of a pastor who I heard uh, say that, this is kind of a rough paraphrase, when he was new at his church, he was showing up, he thought, hey, my job is going to be, you know, help these people obey God's word and tell them what to be doing. Uh, and then he realized quickly that my job is helping these people not require things of one another that scripture does not require. Uh, so I like your phrasing in that question, need to agree about. We did a series of talks at our church um, myself, Bobby Jameson, Mark Dever, on unity. Both Bobby and um, Mark brought up what I think is a helpful kind of model. They brought up three concentric circles, and you can imagine just kind of at the center, the bullseye, our salvation matters. The second circle would be church matters, or polity matters, how we're set up. And the third circle would be disputable matters, or I think as Bobby called it, everything else. And I think that's a useful map. So to answer your question briefly, what we need to agree about to do church together are those first two circles, salvation matters and how and church matters. That is how we're set up, right? We're either going to baptize babies or we're not, right? We're either going to uh, have women pastors or we're not. We're either going to uh, you know, be a part of a presbytery or not. And we can keep going on differences on how we're set up, but we have to agree on those things. Now, we don't have to agree on those things to be Christians, right? So, you know, women pastors, if someone's an egalitarian, uh, that's still my sister in Christ in every way. And we should be careful that uh, about sliding those differences, uh, lest we, and I think we can kind of do this sometimes to treat people like they're not saved. And my goodness, they are. So anyway, I would say circles one and two. Okay. And sort of guiding that, if I can click back one uh, level before we go deeper, is the scriptures are guiding all of this. Correct. That what we are calling salvation issues or what we're saying are central matters of doctrine, these are things that we judge by the scriptures. That's correct. And so, and oftentimes those scriptures are summarized in confessions of faith. I think you were referring that earlier. So my church holds to the New Hampshire, it's written in 1833. And I meant to say this in our unity episode. Also, I'm just going to say it here now, but we say in the first article of that statement um, that the scriptures shall remain to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and opinions should be tried. So certainly. Um, but recognizing that scripture, like we said in that episode, isn't exhaustive on every point. Uh, and we and we need to be clear about that too. So there's, there's, so there's some things that have to be in that, in that kind of third circle that scripture is just not exactly clear on. So applying your sort of three-tiered approach to issues of doctrine that may potentially divide, can I ask you a couple questions to sort of see where they fall. So we just asked about scripture sure. and you're putting that one at level one. Yeah. Well, explain why. Uh, because with without it, um, I'm not, what, what then is our authority at that point? Right. Okay. What about the statement racism is bad? What tier is that in? One. I, I, I just don't see how even in like little listeners listening to this, I, I guarantee they probably have different definitions of racism. We might all assume we have the same definition, would that it were the case, uh, and would that it were a biblical one. Um, but I just don't see how someone could be saying racism is positively good and be a Christian. What about the extent to which people see racism in contemporary society? Well, see, that's gonna, I mean, I think that man has to, this is, I think that has to click out to level three. Now, the hard part is the clarity of that has changed at times, uh, depending on what are we looking at, 1850, 1950, and we don't have the privilege yet of seeing 2050, and who knows if we will. And what I think makes this 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 conversation really hard, Austin, um, is some people are going to put some 
something, the question I think we're seeing more broadly now is our people are, you might put something in question two that I would put in three, and I might put something in three that you might put in two. And so the question I think some brothers and sisters are asking is, can I be in church with people who disagree on these matters? And the answer I think for some people is going to be no. I mean, you're, you're, you can find a church that certainly teaches what you want to the right or to the left on, on a number of issues, and these ones being racial ones that we're talking about. That's not hard to find. And some people are going to feel constrained by that in their conscience. It doesn't mean their conscience is right. Um, But one thing I said in the talk is, you know, you may not be able to be in the same church as that brother or sister you disagree on, but you will be in the same heaven. So with some brothers and sisters, you know, they're going to say, hey, I don't deny systemic racism could exist. I'm not sure where it does or how it does. And we're going to see differences of agreement on that. Does that mean we therefore can't be in the same church? Well, it depends on the extent of those disagreements, but I don't I don't think it should determine our membership within the church. What about you? I agree with you. I think the broader issue there that's going to determine how well you can function in the same church together is the ways in which you disagree. So yes. I can conceive yes. of two members in the church being really far apart on that question, but if they're both godly and they're both humble, they could coexist in church very well together. Well, and that's what, I mean, they're like for our listeners' sake, there's no secret sauce here. I just find... Brother, I find that the manner of which we go about something is is as important, if not more, than the content of what we're going about. I mean, this is why we read Ephesians 4 in the last episode. Paul prefaces this statement on unity and exercising, you know, the diversity of gifts, walk with patience, humility, and gentleness. You know, Romans 12 begins with, let no one think more highly of himself than he ought. Um, and I find it's the man, the manner that those divisions um, are raised and the assumptions made about, and, you know, the motives that are tri- that are read or read into people. Um, that's what kills it. I'm not sure that. Now, to be sure, there are some positions that we find so morally reprehensible that we find the person holding them to be morally reprehensible. Well, now we're getting back into racism is bad rather than how pervasive is it. And I, I do think we want to keep those questions separate. I do, but I, I, I think you're right. But I would say that we often don't. Is, is the point I'm making. And uh, if we could click it one more, and I'll lean on this, but tell me if you, if you, if you think I'm uh, conflating something that shouldn't be. I think, you know, if someone were to hear someone say, I just don't believe in systemic racism, I think they're going to be morally repulsed by that and really struggle with that person, which is different than racism is bad. Do you agree? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you see it all the time. Right. And that's what I'm saying. And then that, that's what, um, and do we really want, is that going to then become a standard of fellowship is, I think, a question in people's minds. Should it be? Well, earlier I said, I don't think so. I'd like to. But again, I like I would understand Scripture to give us the category for, you know, kind of systemic ethnic partiality. I think we see that in the book of Esther. I think we can look at lots of different places. Um, so I think there's a difference between denying the possibility, but the extent is just not clear. I mean, that's what I'm that's what we want to be talking about like is this going to become a standard by which someone must join the church and what scripture are you basing that off on 
how clear must it be for someone to be in your church? Now, they might not they might not believe in it, but they can still be sympathetic to it. They can still do good work. Do you see what I'm saying? I think I do. And we should mention this. If you haven't listened to the first episode of this season, we've already done an entire episode on when should minority brothers and sisters leave majority white churches. Right. And so we've already done a whole episode on a, a category of essentially issue three, tier three on, yeah. I don't have a doctrinal divide here, but I'm I'm not comfortable here. And there might be prudential reasons for me to go find another faithful church. Yeah. So I just want to make clear what, what we're talking about because it can get hard and it can get blurry. And we conflate can and should yes. in ways that make this whole conversation even more confusing. Well, let me turn it back to you since you're pressing me with all the hard questions. Uh, and I appreciate your godly disclaimer for our listener. Should it? Should that be a standard of fellowship? What's it? Should agreement on systemic racism, therefore its extent, be required for fellowship? I don't think that needs to be required for fellowship. I don't, I'll say it stronger than that. I think it is wrong to bind someone's conscience on that. I think we're in the level of persuade and my goodness, I mean, I help run a ministry <laughs> that talks about these things. So I care a lot about it. Um, but I don't think you can put that issue in front of the gospel and say, before you can come here to this church, you have to agree with us on the extent of systemic racism. Now, the other side of that is it that disagreement might make doing church together uncomfortable in ways that it would just be more helpful for us not to. So if a pastor is uh, convinced of systemic racism, brings it up, preaches about it, applies it to uh, society and does so not all the time, but periodically, and a member is just really bothered by that, they could either be loud and obnoxious and divisive, or maybe it might just be better for them to go find another church. Flesh out for us the principle that's dry. You said, I don't want to put this in front of the gospel. And I guess, what do you mean? Like, you said, I think it's wrong positively to bind someone's conscience on that. So what, what's, what's informing that conviction of yours? You were getting at it earlier with the kind of the conscience and, um, and scripture, but just flesh that out for us. So when we're talking about issues of fellowship, we're, we're saying with tier one in your format, if you disagree with me here, I have concerns about your salvation. Right. At, uh, I, I don't think we can say that with the issue of systemic racism. Right. Because? Because it's not, we, we don't have that authority from the scriptures. Yeah. Do you disagree with me there? No, not at all. I mean, this, we're talking about, I mean, this is why we need to be clear on the gospel and how it is people are saved. Are we saved by faith in Christ alone, plus an understanding, a certain understanding of systemic racism? Or I think an issue we're going to be, are we saved in Christ alone, plus by the candidate we vote for? Right. Well, I think that's why what Galatians was getting at. And that's why, I mean, like, I hear you on, hey, maybe, you know, you need to find another church. And I'm like, my goodness, we have the spirit of God in us, right? Uh, now, again, people are made differently. So I don't want to imply, and I was trying to do this in that episode about, you know, should I leave my white church? I don't want to imply that, hey, you don't have the spirit of God if you can't just tough it out. But I, I, I would hope that we can give it our best. Uh, but it depends on how hard it is. And uh, that's why I think it goes back to the manner in which these disagreements are being had and lots of things like that. But yes, no, I do not disagree I agree. with you. I, I think we're getting at the same thing with slightly different emphasis. Um, as we often I, do. I, as we often do. And maybe I hope it's helpful for people because these things are tricky. But I just want to make room for a, 
biblically agreeing to part ways. Yes, I, um, brother, I am. I am right there with you. And we need to be. We need to be careful on binding people's consciences to not let them leave. Like my goodness, right. the church is not the kingdom. Like let that person leave. Like you might actually be wrong. They might be right. Let them leave. They're going to go to a gospel preaching church. Bless them as they go. There's a gospel famine. We're happy when people are eating at any restaurant. So let them go happily. Bless them. We do not have to be. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I'm only. And I'm. And that's why I'm concerned about people. And this is where I don't think we've done an episode on this, but let me just riff on this for a second. This is where I'm concerned about an idolatry of quote unquote multi ethnic ministry. Because the scripture just does not does not stipulate or uh, prescribe how diverse our churches must be. So this eighty percent, you know, no ethnicity makes up more than eighty percent of the church. Well, that's like a that's a sociological claim, right? That's the judging on certain tests and data. That's the percent by which if if an ethnicity makes up more than 80%, then others won't be heard. And I understand that, but that's just not in scripture. And I want to be clear that you can still have your all white church, your all black church, your Chinese church, and they can be sympathetic to issues of justice. It doesn't mean they're inherently unloving or unwelcoming to others. And scripture just doesn't prescribe those things. Now, if we've, you know, if we're just like, our church has to look this certain way, then we're going to wrongly bind people on that. And that's where I like, yes, I'm all for multi-ethnic. This is called United We Pray. So I'm, I'm good. Revelation 7, I'm game. Um, I'm not all for requiring it at some kind of, because I think that just elevates diversity uh, as the kind of priority when I think the priority is love and faithfulness and pursuing, you know, doing justice to our neighbors. And you can have an all white church that does that. You can have an all black church that does that. Does that make sense? It does. And I was just having the same conversation with a a pastor friend yesterday who was talking about how he and his wife have struggled a little bit. This is a white brother uh, with how white their church is. Uh, He he was wishing for more ethnic diversity in their church. And I was just asking him about the area and whether or not he thought the church reflected the community. And he, according to census data, his county is something like 93% white. Right. And that, and, and, or keep going. Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, I hope you're not feeling any guilt over your lack of ethnic diversity when you're in a place that does not have any ethnic diversity. Yeah, it's, that's a that's a false burden of guilt that you were feeling in that instance. Right. And historically, that might even be because of sinful reasons, right? Let's just say, you know, Could be. because of Could redlining, be. whatever it might be, uh, segregation. Uh, and there's all sorts of questions about, you know, uh, though he's not guilty for that, is there any kind of, re- we can talk about responsibility and all these things. Um, but that's where I want to encourage people to not scorn their lack of diversity, but be appreciative for the diversity they do have. Because I think when we study the issue of racism more specifically as seen in segregation, I mean, what that did to just the, the, the yeah, what that did to people and our communities. And I think a good book on this is American Apartheid. It's the most robust work that I've read on it. Uh, by um, Massey. When we see what we're up against, I think we'll be thankful for the diversity in our churches, man. Yeah, because it was just designed to keep us apart. Well, brother, anything else you want to co- uh, cover on this? No, I mean, it, I, I think I just want to add, these are really hard issues, and we just need lots of grace for it. Yeah, we, we yeah, some issues are super clear, some are not, some are super painful, so we just we just got to really think and keep going back to the scriptures but we want it's easy to add to the gospel and when we do we lose it and we do not want to require a certain vote a certain anything except for faith in Christ um as as uh 
is necessary. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord and ask him for that wisdom that we need. So I'll start us and you can close us out. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Uh, Thank you for your promise to give wisdom to those who ask. And Lord, we need it. We need your help to uh, dwell together in unity in our churches. Lord, we we need wisdom to know what's right, to know how to apply it, to know how to agree and disagree well. Lord, make us humble, make us wise, make us kind. Lord, how much disagreement could be avoided just by being more kind about it. So Lord, we pray for the fruit of your spirit among your people, that we would uh, live together as one, uh, as you have both commanded and promised. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, uh, at the time of our recording this, uh, an election is around the corner, literally days away. You know the outcome of that election already. We do not. Perhaps by the time this episode is released, that election will be over. There will be people whose feelings are hurt. Uh, There will be people whose feelings are elated. Um, But my goodness, Lord, help us to uh, bow and to submit to King Jesus above all and to not be more devoted to our positions than we are to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to love and serve you faithfully. Help us to not bind people where your word does not bind them. Uh, Help us to challenge each other where your word does. Help us to point out blind spots, Lord. Help us, we pray. Goodness, we need help. It seems that Satan is just enjoying getting us to tear one another apart. So help us to stick to that true center of Christian union, to remember that that ground before the foot of the cross really is level, that we need Jesus and we need to cling to the cross. And when we look up, uh, clinging to the cross, we will look up and see other people clinging to the cross. Because anybody can come to Jesus, and that means different people will come to Jesus. Uh, And Father, uh, we want to learn how to live with those differences. Uh, We want to put them in the right circle, according to your word, Uh, Father. And if anyone can come to Jesus and different people can come to Jesus, we want to come to you now through our Lord Jesus, with our seed of faith, with our weakness, asking that you might make your power known. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, grace and peace. Thank you, Isaac. Look forward to talking to you next time. All right, grace and peace. Pray.